the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Welcome to The Kate Show with Kate Daly. On demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Hi and welcome to The Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. So let's talk war. Um, I hope this is one of the better broadcasts you've ever heard or podcasts on war because I think we really need to examine what we're doing and why. You know, it's interesting. I never really questioned it growing up. I just always thought that if we saw a need to go to war, that's what we did. End of discussion, right? And there's so much more to this. In fact, what sparked this episode was a caller that I spoke to that called in and said, well, I don't doubt the reasons why we needed World War I and World War II. And they were ne- they were necessary. How dare you uh, say they say they weren't necessary? They were absolutely necessary. Or the world would be an unstable place. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. Is it true? Is it true? So we're going to go back and we're really going to dissect. Is that an actual true statement? And do we really need to um, go in and reanalyze what we're doing when we're going into a military action, quote unquote? Uh, which is now really war, but it, it is, it's an act of war, but we're just calling it something benign so that we don't have to claim it as war to get it through Congress to obey the Constitution, let's face it. But here we are at a, at a place where Americans have a tough time describing what their attitudes towards war are because you have to put a lot of faith in your government that your government's always choosing the right decision for your country, correct? And if you're going to do that, then you have to stand behind, well, if I'm all for war and I'm all for these military actions... Well, then I'm going to be behind every single one of them, right? That's how people think. And, and there are people out there saying we shouldn't ever really be at war. There's no reason for us to be at war. So what are the real reasons? Let's dive in. Because this is hugely controversial, but I think such a great topic, especially right now. We seem to be on the brink of World War III, uh, if not already engaging in the military acts to bring it on. Well, let's talk about it. Is there a need? Do we trust our government with that need? Why are they going over there and doing the things they're doing? And the best place to start, I think, is when the country was just over 100 years old and we were discussing or the government was having to use propaganda to get us into World War I, calling it the, be- the, the greatest, the final war, right? This will be it. This will be the only war we have to engage in, but it's so necessary. We have to do it right now. We have to do it today. Let's go in and let's really analyze what we would be like without it. And did we really need it? Because this really could take apart the argument that that's saying in today's world that any war we go into is justifiable because some somewhere somehow somebody up in the administration thinks that we should i think it's a great discussion let's go 
My guest is Investigator Dave, of course, as we discuss all things history. Uh, he loves history. He's been uh, over to the Middle East many, many times. And let's discuss history in general, because there are reasons we went into World War One that most people are not aware of, nor did I ever learn these uh, when I was growing up in California, for sure. So let's let's discuss, shall we? Let's talk the playbook of war, because when you analyze the past, you can come up with a lot of uh, reasons uh, the way we do things now. The explanations of what's going on in the Middle East really go back to World War II, World War One, and most people don't realize that. It really can explain a lot about the relationships we don't understand, the politics we don't understand over there. And so let's talk uh, the reasons why we went into World War One. This is fascinating. There were two real basic reasons um, why we went into World War One that a lot of people don't. I don't, I don't think they actually realize. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that are just thinking, oh, we just wanted to help England, but there's so much more to it than, okay. than that. What it boils down to basically is money, economics. Mm-hmm. And uh, economics to get and earn money requires trade. And to have trade, you need trade routes. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to move products back and forth. Yes. Okay. In order to gain, get gain, right? Right. Okay. Um, in the past... Almost all trade was by ships. Sure. You would. Yeah, the Royal uh, Navy in, in for fact, Britain. Mm-hmm. I won't say in the past, it is today too. Mm-hmm. The trade routes are very, very important. And, and the people that had the Navy and the ships could have the most money. It's one reason that, you know, England ruled the world, had the waves. Mm-hmm. The Navy rules, you know, whatever the phrase goes. Okay. Sure. England rules the waves. England rules. Okay. Okay. All right. So anyway, they had the ships and things like that. Got it. But the important thing is that Germany was a rising power at this time. They're in de- because they had just became centralized, okay, under, mm-hmm. under, under Bismarck. And uh, they brought in Prussia, brought in... You know, all these different German states that were fractured, and they hadn't been a country more than about 10, 20 years. And already they were becoming an industrial might. Mm-hmm. Big factories, they were building dreadnoughts. Now, these dreadnoughts are huge battleships. Um, England was going broke trying to compete with Germany on these dreadnoughts. Mm-hmm. They were actually far into debt, and Germany was building them, putting up a large navy there up in Jutland, um, and Germany was. But Germany couldn't compete with English ships, and they wanted a, a, a silk road, if you will. Mm-hmm. You remember Marco Polo, and they had that silk yes. road all the way to China? Yes. And it was that <clears throat> new trade route, and that caused a lot of disruption and war. So uh, Germany decided to build a, a railroad. Mm-hmm. To transport from Berlin. And where did that railroad go? <laughs> Berlin to, to Baghdad. To Baghdad. Baghdad. Right. Yep. And uh, so you have to enter into the picture with Winston Churchill. Because mm-hmm. our history books paint him as glorious. Correct? Yeah. Glorious. Well, y- yes. It, it, Don't they? The accepted history. History books I read in California did. Yeah, I know. I okay. Know. Okay. So he had, uh, when you were talking about trade, you were talking about products, and there was a need to build up the Royal Fleet, and Mm -hmm. he wanted to build up the Royal Fleet, and he also wanted to go away from coal, coal uh, coal-powered ships, and go into oil-powered ships. He wanted oil. So then Germany has built this this route from Berlin to Baghdad. Hmm, Mm -hmm. what's in Baghdad? Oil. Well, well. Well, well. Yeah. Yeah, among other things, mm-hmm. to establish not just oil, but that's one of the big things. So they could, and and this railroad mm-hmm. could. They didn't need ships. All you need is locomotives. 
yes. and to be able to haul it back and forth. And so they cut England out of the equation mm-hmm. entirely to, to, to get this oil. Right. They, Baghdad, why should they haul it all the way down to the Gulf, put it on ships and uh, down around the uh, Horn of Africa? Right. Right, all the way up to England when they can just stick it on Tanker, so Churchill, coming from the up. coming from the Rothschilds game plan, yes, uh, the pawn in, in Rothschilds game, he enacted a law basically uh, that would actually help Britain um, acquire oil, acquire these mm-hmm. these properties that have oil in them, and, and acquire this to kind of up the ante. But he also wanted to make it look like Germany was a bigger threat to them, right? Mm-hmm. So he sort of um, he's he, he, well look at it today, <laughs> invented more or less a bigger threat uh, because it was a threat to them, right? But it kind of just made it bigger than it was actually, right? Right. Yeah. Um, because they all wanted control over that oil. Exactly. Right. And so, I won't go through the whole war, mm-hmm. but let's go through the aftermath. Who ended up with the Middle East? Exactly. The whole enter, the whole, uh, the England. other, well, not only was it a shift from coal to oil, it mm-hmm. was also a, um, a quest to kind of end the, the Ottoman empire. Yes. And I don't know if most people realize that, that that was really, um, a chess game of the Middle East. It was mm-hmm. really who was going to control the Middle East, who was going to support <laughs> Israel having their piece of the pie, who was going to, who was going to carve it up and own it. Britain and France wanted to own it. Yes, yes. They did. and uh, and they they really wanted to carve it up because they knew whoever seized control would end up with the riches. Because the natural resources, of course, right. right. But do I don't think th- people really get that it was more about the Middle East than I think it was really <laughs> an oil about the, the, than than just fighting. It, it is that's what, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, and, and the British ended up mm-hmm. with a lot of the Middle East, including Palestine. Yeah, after the war. What do you think, you ever think about this, during World War II, Rommel landed the Africa Corps on the northern tip of Africa, mm-hmm. right, over by Morocco, and then he started a campaign all the way across the whole, landed the Africa Corps on the northern tip of Africa, mm-hmm. right, over by Morocco, and then he started a campaign all the way across North Africa. What, what do the Germans want Africa for? Exactly. Right? What, what's the whole purpose of Africa? Because the oil routes... He was heading all the way across to Egypt. It's all about the roots. It's, it's all about the roots. It was very key. If he could take that, mm-hmm. if he could take that, then it would cut off a great source of oil, mm-hmm. and nations run on oil. Mm-hmm. They have to. There's a lot of thought that had we not entered World War I, um, that, we, that it would have exhausted itself and burnt out by, two, by 1915. Done. That it would have just, the fighting that was ensuing would have just burnt itself out. Okay. you got to understand this. In 19... Is that true? Yes. In 1916, the Germans had effectively won the war. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Allies were in disarray. After the Battle of Verdun, half the French army was in mutiny. And that was there the central riots. powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, central powers. They, they were, uh, well, I'd say Germany and Austria. Mm-hmm. Bulgaria. Okay, and, mm-hmm. and, and Hungary and, yeah. When we come back more on this topic, you're going to learn so much in this episode. And of course, don't go anywhere. It's The Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. You can go to The Kate Show on Facebook and join that. I'm constantly updating. And also go to my website, Kate Daly Radio, K-A-T-E-D-A-L-L-E-Y radio.com for more podcasts. And you can actually reach me at Kate at KateDallyRadio.com if you'd like to email me. Don't go anywhere. 
This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. Back here on The Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about the Central Powers. Who was fighting whom? I mean, the Axis, they weren't called Axis back then, but Central Powers. Yep. Okay, they had won the war. France was out of it, psychologically and militarily, just about gone. England, after the Battle of the Somme, and this great push forward, losing half a million men or something, it, it was disaster. Well, they were already broke. I mean, it they were disaster. Yeah, struggling. And, and, and they're all the flower of their youth, all their seed corn of youth, dead. And so Germany realized, and not a single soldier had been killed in Germany. Not a single bullet had been fired in Germany at this time. Germany was still fairly robust. And so they said, <coughs> graciously, they went to the Allies and they said, hey, let's call the war off. No more war. Let's, uh, status quo, okay? Hmm. Let's all go back to our beds and, and homes and factories and everything else and let it go. And But that wasn't good enough for the deep state. They no, had no, to, no, it's, they, 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 it was winner take all. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It was winter talk. They wanted air. Besides, the banks, central banks, were making $100,000 off of every dead soldier by producing oil, munitions, and uniforms, and transportation, trains, and all that is stuff that they had to replace. It was getting blown up all the time. And do people really realize that, that there were, all these countries were trading the different elements for war with each other? So here we are against them, but we're trading the very mm-hmm. elements that they need in battle. The Bush family actually making money off of munitions, mm-hmm. <laughs> sending them over to Germany. Most people don't realize that. I'm not a fan of the Bush family, um, no. and uh, and so they were they were making some cash off of their munitions. And so whatever they needed, uh, glycerin, whatever whatever product they needed to make whatever they were making in war, all the all the countries were trading. <laughs> commodities it was mm-hmm. it's just so strange i mean because everybody's got to make some cash so what while they're trying to make up their mind whether to accept the german peace offer mm-hmm. um besides the banks that want to make any money um the rothschilds under uh, their agent theodore herschel and others went to the british car- parliament and said listen you can still win the war if we can bring america in and we can bring america in Give us time, we'll bring them in. Okay, just hang in there. And, and England, England said, well, what do you want in return? And they said, well, after the war, this was, they were Zionists at the time, mm-hmm. we want Palestine. Mm-hmm. You give us Palestine, you will get that after the war, you give us Palestine, and we'll bring them in. So they signed a document called the Balfour Document, in which England agreed to do that. And, and so immediately they set to work, the Zionists set to work in America, Justice Brandeis, who was a good friend of um, Woodrow Wilson, mm-hmm. and uh, they started putting pressure on him. Now, Wilson, you know, ran to keep us out of the war. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I'm beginning to slight comparison with Trump. <laughs> you know? Okay. Okay. He got elected because he was going to keep us out of war. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyway, um, he was a close friend of Woodrow Wilson. And uh, he, in fact, he helped pay off one of Woodrow Wilson's, um, Wilson had trouble with an illegitimate child and the woman was threatening mm-hmm. $100,000. They were threatening to expose them. Yeah. So, and, mm-hmm. and, and so Brandeis managed to come up with the money to help him out. And so there was a lot of shenanigans going on in there, but um, they were determined to bring us in. So that's how they set it up. And they invited from England, the four minute men over here, they started this massive propaganda. They bought up a bunch of newspapers and started Mm -hmm. a massive propaganda campaign against the Huns, the evil Germans, all of a sudden. And and America didn't want to go to war. Do you realize that most Americans are German ancestry? Yes, I am. I I am. I'm German ancestry. Yes. Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Evil German. Yes. I figure about half nowadays Mm -hmm. or just over half, 50 something percent that I saw and only 25% of British ancestry. Right. And the rest are, they weren't having it. Everything else. They They weren't having it. They they tried to recover from the civil war and they weren't having it. So yeah. Did not want to go to war at any rate. Um, so they had to convince the people. Mm-hmm. So that's when they. And little... so this massive propaganda campaign where they bought up newspapers, they sent mm-hmm. over four minute men, the campaign in the streets or flyers and brochures and, and speakers at movie theaters and everything else. And then, um, then we talked about it earlier, you know, how they set up the Lusitania, how they set up mm-hmm. uh, other ships and Huns that finally brought us in, um, got Congress to go for it. Right. And it went in. The thing of it is, is after the war, <coughs> the British still didn't give the Zionist Palestine. Yeah. It had, had to be after World War II. Mm-hmm. Kind of reneged it a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually they got it. Right. But that, that brought us into the war. Now, Pat Buchanan thinks it's even earlier than that that caused the downfall. And he says it's the moment that America became imperialist and decided that we were no longer going to take the advice of George Washington, stay in our borders, mm-hmm. let other quarrels take care of themselves and trade. Um, he says that this basically started with uh, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. Sure. And uh, the Spanish-American War and, and all that. And when we finally decided that we had to help out our sugar companies in Cuba and go in and take over another territory and then take over the vast territories of Spain in the Philippines and everywhere else. And that imperialist node idea Mm -hmm. that we adopted was the beginning of the end, according to him. Yeah, because post-founders and post the the Constitution, you had a huge infiltration of the Illuminati within the United States. And that Mm -hmm. Illuminati was really pushing forward, getting all their people in place to have this sort of influence over uh, and make sure they got their guy into office and make sure they could influence and tell them what to do, (laughs) just like they did. Uh-huh. And so that's that's why we always say about the last 100 years are so crucial to understand 120 years because mm-hmm. because it really took over and that's when we became uh, imperialists. That, yeah. This is and that's why when people say, well, we had to go into World War One. I'm going, no, we actually didn't have to go into World War One. No, it would have if we hadn't have gone in, it would have been gone in in 1916. It would have been over, mm-hmm. and and everything would have gone back to status quo, except. England would have been broke mm-hmm. <laughs> still. Yes. Germany still would have prospered. And, mm-hmm. But you wouldn't have had, like you said, an Adolf Hitler. He wouldn't have had a cause celebre. He wouldn't have had a, a, an upper... England would, uh, Germany would not have been betrayed by the Treaty of Versailles. Mm-hmm. And so consequently, that's what Hitler seized upon. We've been right. betrayed. You know, they're all against us. And that's what he rallied his, tr- his 
people behind. Right. So right. it would have never happened. Yeah. And what else would have happened? I don't know, but it couldn't have been as bad as World War One, World War Two. Exactly. And what's interesting is the Treaty of Versailles. I mean, these these are all the bankers, all the elites sitting around going, "Okay, who gets mm-hmm. what, and what are we going to do?" I mean, yes. it was just it was just so gross. <laughs> just fun. their little their little little conclaves or little meetings that they that they just would decide, you know. Well, what 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 piece of the world would you like? Well, I would like this piece, and it's just so <laughs> funny to me that that they that really what we're talking about is the deep state playing monopoly with everyone's lives <laughs> and countries. Hmm, there's a lot at stake. All right, we'll be right back. This is the Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Find more on demand at theblaze.com/radio. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Thursday, starting at noon, it's going to be a busy show. I've got more details on the proposed merger between ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and it could get really messy when they try to figure out who's actually in charge. Why does your dog give you that guilty look? I know why. And Zika, Franken-mosquitoes set loose to take on Zika virus. Plus, Shamont reviews that Fast and Furious film, the 19th one. Be here. Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Kate Show with Kate Daly. Welcome back to the Kate Show. All right, on with the discussion. Going back into history, sometimes it's a great gateway to figuring out what's happening right now and how the, the pieces are being moved around. And so much of um, World War One was actually about the breakup of the Ottoman Empire, gaining control over the Middle East, dividing it up, parceling it out, and saying who's in control and who owns what. Uh-huh. Like uh, like Saad, you know, that yes. that w- emerged from this and our relationship with Saudi Arabia. The emerged, House of Saad. The House it, of yes. Saad uh, emerged from this. Uh, so many things emerged from the breakup of the Ottoman Empire. And um, it, it is very, um, I think it's really fascinating to study. I really do. Uh-huh. It's a fascinating topic. And I wish more people would spend a little more time on it. We, we didn't in high school or the little college I went to, we didn't, uh, we, you, we, you just didn't learn about these things. You have to study these things on your own. That's right. To understand why and how they did it. Uh-huh. But it, 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 once the Ottoman Empire basically fell, then it became a vacuum. Mm-hmm. That's familiar. Yes. Once it was gone, a vacuum came in. And then it, it was up for grabs. Really, a lot of people came in. So we had to, uh, there are certain people in the way, like the Armenians. Mm-hmm. The Armenians were sitting on the Baku oil fields. Yeah. That was their area. Mm-hmm. And it, these Armenians didn't really much care for, right? you know, losing the oil fields. Right. And yeah. so they had to go. And so a, a new regime came up, the Young Turks, what we put in there. And uh, from him, them sprang Ataturk. Mm-hmm. When I was in Turkey, boy, they really praised this guy. They really loved Ataturk and the changes he made in their country. But same time, he did it like Joe Stalin. Mm-hmm. Um, certain people had to go, mm-hmm. and you had to break a few eggs to make an omelet. And and <laughs> yep. those those eggs were the Armenians. Yes, they, they had to move them out, and it caused. That's why immediately in the aftermath of World War One, you had the Armenian. Dare I call it uh, Holocaust? Yes. Um, because it was. Why yes. can't we call it what it is? Well, yeah, or genocide. You know, every president, even Obama, would not say the word genocide. Would not say it. 
because of, of the Turkish backlash. Um, in fact, when we go into the next hour, I want to talk about that more in detail because I have some details on that. Uh, uh -huh. Very, very fascinating. I do want to say that V for victory. It's been said that Crowley um, made sure that, that Churchill did that V for victory sign because it really kind of played on the Nazi... Um, uh, well, dare I say, they're, they're a little bit of their paranoia, <laughs> yeah. uh, sort of their paranoia. So he was photographed as much as possible, giving that uh, V for victory gesture, the symbol of destruction and uh, annihilation. Hmm. And that the Germans uh, did not like that so much. And he did that. He kept doing it on purpose just wow. to get to him. Mm -hmm. Interesting, you know, because a lot of these little social things uh, crop up. And I don't think when we look back, we look at that sign as anything but just somebody doing some sort of sign. I mean, that's just, exactly. what, you know, you go back into history, but interesting. Just another take on that, by the way. So the, the Armenians had to be uprooted. Mm -hmm. And they uprooted them and they just sent them. I mean, they just sent them out in a mm -hmm. desert. Um, oh, and it was awful. It, it was it, it, it was like, more cruel. They were they were going through were. horse droppings, horse horse uh, uh, to find grains to eat. I mean, I'm talking. Mm -hmm. it, it was it, it, it was so inhumane that Hitler almost looks humane next to what happened to these Armenians. Uh, and they actually did away with the records so that they wouldn't have to come up with an actual count of how many people were massacred. And, the, and I mean burnt. There were people, there were tens of thousands of people just burned, just burned alive. Mm -hmm. In fact, the people, the townspeople started complaining about the smell because of the people burning alive. I mean, it was just, wow. it was horrendous. And then they would put them out into the desert in the Middle East yeah. and make them walk in circles until they died. They died and died. Well, and, and actually they sent them south and... Uh, that was no quick death. That was that was awful. Yeah, you were, you mentioned before. Don't they form the border now? Where pretty yeah, much the, where they, some of the concentration camps. If you live to get into a concentration camp, they formed the borders of Syria and what we now know as Iraq. So mm. interesting. The, the, they estimate the the Turks mm -hmm. say, nah, not too many died. Yeah, maybe I know. forty ground, forty thousand right. or so. The Armenians saying, "Are you crazy?" There were at least three million. Yes, and only about a hundred thousand survived this. Uh -huh. So uh, just they actually say nowadays you can go over there, and all you have to do is scrape the surface of the sand to find bones that have been there. Uh -huh. Still, fragments of bones that have been there for uh, ever wow. since. And when I when I was on the police department mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, occasionally we'd still get radio calls. And, mm -hmm some Turks would be shooting at an Armenian place or vice versa. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they don't get along very well, even today. They don't at all. In fact, so. they think some of those Turkish rebels are the white helmets. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, but there was a, there was a definite um, movement in this to rid themselves of Christians uh, because Christians uh, having this this two competing forces, right? You had, um, you had the Muslims and you had the Christians. They were living side by side for how long? And then all of a sudden, it, it seemed as though there could be some conflict there with the oil. And so then the, the, the young Turks, who were actually kind of considered rebels at the time, kind of going against this oppressive system, but actually turned into uh, somewhat of the, of the monsters in the house. And they started... Mm -hmm. um, the genocide they started passing laws they could just take people's things they could take their property they could take any armenian anything and they mm -hmm. could treat them however they wanted to and there were no laws to help the armenians yeah. whatsoever i mean they 
passed the laws to be able to treat him like this too. So it was it was just so in, I, I can't even express how inhumane and how incredibly tragic this was. But but we don't ever talk about that. We only talk about the Holocaust. Yeah. In Germany, we don't talk about this. Why? And well, people say, well, we're too afraid to upset our ally, Turkey, because we run supplies through Turkey, right? To the Middle East. Oh, yeah. Can't, can't uh, well, upset the apple cart. Turkey's a key spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is right there in the middle. It's half Europe, half Asia. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, the Straits of, uh, not Gibraltar, come on, Dar- Dardanelles Straits are right there. Mm-hmm. Black Sea is accessed. Russia has every ship it sends in the Mediterranean or in its freshwater port has to go right there through the, through those straits, through Turkey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Gettysburg, you know, all right. roads go to it. And uh, it's it's a hot spot. And right now it's ruled by a guy who was just given last week dictatorial powers over his country, Erdogan. And this, mm-hmm. this man here, uh, I've been watching him. <clears throat> I'm convinced he's kind of psycho. But the thing, the thing of it is, is when I was in Turkey, uh, you know, I got to talking to Turks about him and everything mm-hmm. else. And they were teaching me, trying to teach me a language and all that. They're very proud of their country. Mm-hmm. Nationalism uh, is a nas- big Nationalism deal. is mm-hmm. huge in Turkey. They, you know, you get to talking to them, and one of their first phrases, I am Turkish. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really defend their nation. Right. And, and with this guy at the head of it, who gets up and blows up and starts calling everybody Nazis just because they won't let some of their speakers talk at, a, at an election in, 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 mm-hmm. up in the North Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And the, to the Dutch. And then he gets mad at people that try to defend him. And he's starting to cut off. The, the, he's he's, so, he's cycle. Right, right. Well, I'll, t- I'll say that uh, that Hitler took the playbook from the Armenian gen- genocide. Uh, the, they were rounded up in cars. They actually had to pay their own way to their own death. Um, they um, Everything that, that happened in the Holocaust um, happened times 100 in the Armenian genocide right before it. Mm-hmm. I just really wish we would always address these things as they are instead of pretending they don't exist. And there's, I'll be right back. I want to talk about a movie as well that's opening up. It has something to do with World War One, And I don't know if most people realize this because it's very rarely talked about and shunned through Hollywood. You're not allowed to address it. And I'll, say, I'll, I'll tell you why when we come back. This is the Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. You can go to katedallyradio.com for podcasts. The Blaze Radio Network on demand. The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Welcome back to The Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Let's just take a little segue into something for just a moment about a movie coming out that isn't been given, well, it hasn't been given a lot of attention. Most people won't think twice about it. It's going to go by the wayside, and they're going to think, oh, we're, it's, a, it's a movie about some 
altercation in some country, most people are not going to put it with World War One. Most people are not going to know what this was about because it's basically been shunned in Hollywood. You're not allowed to speak of it, talk about it. And let me let me tell you why, because this is a kind of an extraordinary story that this movie has even come out and the story that it tells is pretty amazing. And uh, I think most people need to be aware of the backstory to this because it's so intriguing to me. There's a movie coming out that's very interesting because it's tried to make its way out for a hundred years and hasn't, it uh-huh. hasn't uh, surfaced yet, but it comes out this weekend about that very thing. Actually, but- Hitler bought a lot of his ideas from the West. Mm-hmm. For his for his nefarious actions, but it did know, echo whether, a lot of the events that the, happened. The to racism the was Margaret Sanager, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, concentration camps. A right. lot he developed from the British in South Africa. Yep, uh, you know, he just uh, go ahead. Hi, caller. Welcome to the Kate Daly Show. Hi, guys. Hi there. Last year, I tried to get an old movie mm-hmm. it was made by Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. It was set in the time of the, you know, the end of. <laughs> the 20s in, in Turkey and stuff. Right. And I was told I couldn't get it. Interesting. Some kind of censorship. Yeah. Yeah. There's, man, I'll tell you Charles what. Bronson? Yeah. Every, uh, every president, every, everybody kowtows to Turkey. Ask yourselves why. I mean, that's... Charlie Bronson, yeah. Dave. Thank you, I saw Charlie Bronson. a long Bronson. time ago. I okay. hardly even remembered it. What was the name of it? I get a copy and I was told I couldn't get it. He asked, what's the name of it? I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, let us know if you find it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so the carving up of um, of the Middle East, uh, this is when Syria uh, became. <laughs> um, this is when, um, well, well, so many entities um, were, were sort of traded around and bought, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with Palestine. A lot of it has to do with... Uh, with who controlled what in the Middle East and who controlled the oil, who, who basically uh, was at the helm. Mm-hmm. And it was the, uh, the allies. So um, as, far as, the, as far as the situation with, with Turkey, they became a NATO uh, participant right after that. I mean, it, it seemed like we didn't really care that they did the, uh, the Armenian genocide, no, no, no. that we just basically took them on as an ally. Why? Never, never mix economics with morality. Mm-hmm. And we had a show. Exactly. On, we had a show on that before on how the American industrialists and bankers supported mm-hmm. the Third Reich. Right. Well, they. Supported. But Dave, let, let's just call the elephant in the room. So they only combine morality with economics when they want to push us into a war. Yeah. Yeah. When it suits their <laughs> wait, purpose. Wait, yeah. But, but any other time, they're never thinking that. But it's a great motivator to push us into war, and I think that's what we need to realize right now. Mm-hmm how those strings are being pulled right now. Exactly. Which makes me wonder, mm-hmm. with all the you know, death and destruction, and everybody's bombing in Syria and 400,000 dead and, and all this other stuff, and how they can stop and pause right in the middle of it and say, those precious babies, mm-hmm. you know, they were, and, and all of a sudden, well, why weren't you concerned before? And will you be concerned afterwards? And so I immediately think motive, mm-hmm. motive. Well, I played a Why tape of Madeleine Albright in the '90s, saying mm-hmm. that she didn't care that 500,000 kids were dead because of what they were, what we were doing over there. And she said, "Well, it was a hard choice." She just called it a hard choice. Hard choice. Hard choice. Isn't that the name of Hillary Clinton's book? <laughs> yeah. Hard choices. Yeah. Yeah. I always call her Madam uh, Madeleine Halfbright. Madeline half bright, and then if Hillary's just Satan or what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, 
Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we just pick and choose. We pick mm-hmm. and choose when to use the morality, and but, that's what's so hard is not us Americans, but when they're pushing something, they do. Uh, and a lot of these things, they trace right on down to today. Mm-hmm. And because the oil interests, the trade interests, the economic interests, mm-hmm. and um, it, it, it's all the same thing. Right. It just, history repeats itself. On another side note of just media and you got movies, look at the newspapers. There was a newspaper article back in 1829, and this came from the Niles Weekly Register. Um, What's interesting about this article itself was the fact that it exposed the fact that uh, the Rothschilds had purchased Jerusalem. Wow. Back in 1829, it was already talking about the fact that they had done this. And what's amazing about this article is that it talks about, uh, there's like a section of this, and, and it's almost like a little blurb in a newspaper. It says, Jerusalem. There is a report that the Rothschilds have purchased Jerusalem with an exclamation point. We see nothing improbable that in the uh, distress of the Sultan, he should, he should well some part of his, uh, gosh, I can't even read it, to preserve the rest, or that the Rothschilds should purchase the ancient capital of their nation. They are wealthy beyond desire. Perhaps even um, uh, even so situated, it is quite reasonable to suppose that they might seek something else to gratify their ambition that shall produce most important effects if secured in this possession and which should be brought about by money. They might instantly, as it were, gather a large nation together soon to become capable of defending itself and having a wonderful influence over the commerce and condition of the East, rendering Judea, again, the place of deposit of a large portion of the wealth of the ancient world. To the Sultan, you know, the country is of no great value, but in the hands of the Jews, directed by such men as the Rothschilds, what might it become? And in short period, and in a short period of time, uh, wow! <laughs> Have you seen this at all? Uh, this was back uh, in the 1800s from a guy uh, that wrote and edited his own paper, the Niles Weekly Register. Um, this was really the only reporting of its kind of this event, and it was almost, you know, applauding the Rothschilds for going in and purchasing the property for a nation that could soon defend itself. But I thought this was very interesting. Um, uh, the fact that they were out with the information, there was a report that the Rothschilds have purchased Jerusalem. Amazing, right? Some of this stuff we just, we don't understand, I guess. You know, this wasn't really at our fingertips years ago, and so we didn't have a record of this, really, um, for students for students everywhere or for just you and I until we had the Internet uh, to, to get these kinds of documents. The movie's coming out like The Promise, um, most people don't really know what's behind that. They don't know that that was uh, basically shunned by the Turkish government for years and years and years. And they, they promised and threatened to destroy um, the big movie labels if they were going to make a movie about it. Look how many hands it, it exchanged. And so very rarely do we realize our history. And then when something does come out, do people know how long it took uh, to talk about the Armenian genocide? Do people realize this? It's fascinating. When I come back more with Dave on the war itself, what caused it, what ended it, and what really uh, did it need to happen, and what would have happened had we not gone in. Sometimes in history, they, they really work us into a frenzy over a war based on emotion um, and, and really appeal to our emotions to get us to be behind it because they want the nation, of course, behind it. 
And uh, usually it takes the sinking of the ship that really was from design, not the actual sinking of a ship, uh, but a false flag to get us going into a war. And we have to really go back into history and analyze these things because we have been duped into many wars. And the reasons behind it are usually because the deep state wants to gain power. That's really what it's about, power and money. We'll be right back. This is The Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. Remember where we were. It was just the opposite during the campaign. You had Donald Trump out there saying, you know, it'd be great. It'd be great to get along with Russia. Wouldn't it be great to get along with Russia? Wouldn't it be great? Well, yeah, of course it would be. That was his stance there. And with China, it was, well, these communists are manipulating their currency, which they are. They're currency manipulator, despite Trump softening on this. They still are. The Chris Salcedo Show. Weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly, only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Welcome back to The Kate Show. Okay, let's talk about the one, the other reason uh, for World War One, and all, of course, all the main players through some of the wars in the 1900s have remained the same, which is very curious. There was one more purpose of World War I, um, and that was, and it said, uh, you can agree or disagree, 888-673-1450, or throw your two cents in, um, was to create the preconditions for the Russian Revolution of 18, uh, 1918, mm-hmm. which was financed, orchestrated by Jacob Schiff through Kuhn, Lobb, and Company of New York to overthrow the uh, arist- uh, the aristocrats, right? Right, in and Russia. In Russia. And the result was to exact this sort of Rothschild's revenge against the Russian czar at the time and for having thwarted their first attempt at world government at the Congress of Vienna in 1815. Sort of a revenge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that was when Napoleon... Uh, yep. So according to Pike, Albert Pike, uh, the further aim was to transform Russia into a sort of bastion of atheistic communist creed, right? to be built up and used in, I'm quoting, to be built up and used to destroy other governments and weaken religion. Which, when you look at World War I and you look at the um, genocide of the Christians, the mm-hmm. Armenian, the Armenians, and, and look at what happened, you can clearly see that the, the weakening of religions that might be in the way, the, um, uh, the schools of thought that had to prevail at the time, that they wanted to prevail at the time. You're, you're mixing that with the economics of the time, who gets to control what and who gets to remain victorious mm-hmm. with all the oil in the Middle East and as everything was being thrown into oil instead of coal. You wonder about that sometimes. Uh, um, here was World War I, mm-hmm. 1916. Not only was France, were France and England... Um, too tired to fight anymore, mm-hmm. but Russia was in the throes of <clears throat> bankruptcy. Its army was in mutiny also. And uh, in the middle of that, um, Jacob Schiff mm-hmm. sent Vladimir Lenin to Russia. and But he couldn't get to Russia unless he went through Germany. So they went to the Germans, and the Germans agreed to put him on a sealed train through the lines 
And uh, they sent, uh, by the way, they sent him over there with a, a bundle of money, mm-hmm. uh, Lenin, and uh, sent him over there because Germany, they convinced Germany that if we send him over there, he'll have a communist revolution. And that will, communist revolution will take the Russians out of the war. Mm-hmm. And if the Russians are out of the war, then you can bring your troops from the east, bring them all the way over to the west and win the war against France and England. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a strategy to be employed there. So it, it, it worked in a way. Mm-hmm. But when Lenin took over, uh, things became very, very bad. It actually took over from Alexander Kerensky, who took over from the Tsar when they executed the whole Tsar's family. I wrote a book, a uh, mm-hmm. paper on that. I wrote mm-hmm. a paper on that. It was very interesting. But what they did was they, they liberated most of the Jews from Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a place there called the, the Pale, and mm-hmm. uh, most all Jews had to stay beyond the pale. Right. That's where the, that phrase comes from today. Oh, that's beyond the pale. It's more than expected. But the Jews were able to be released from there and actually come into Russia now. And once they were in, in Russia, you know, uh, Schiff and Lenin, and, and mm-hmm. they were all um, part of the Bolsheviks and Mensheviks. And took over and over, actually overthrew them. But then they grew from that small group of people who, mm-hmm. and you're right, because they were Marxists. So they didn't believe in religion. Right. And they didn't believe really in, in morality mm-hmm. or anything like that. Which no is value ev- system. Sure. Which is evident as they began to expand, you know, with Belakun in, in Hungary and elsewhere. Uh, it's evident that they, they had ulterior motives. And they came from that small group into a huge menace to, mm-hmm. to the world. Yes. Uh, so it's fascinating, the, the results of warfare. You never know what's going to spring. You know, you hatch up a war and you never know what's going to come out the other end. Mm-hmm. So, but they, they had the pieces pretty designed. I mean, when they put, yes, when, they they, when Colonel House put, uh, oh, I should say the average Wilson person, in no. and they said, you know, he's not going to be for the war, right? Get mm-hmm. him in because he'll keep us out of, out of any war. <laughs> and of course, then they had the blackmailing of the, of the affair of the child that he had. And then of course, uh, they have these events that they prop up as reasons to get in the war. So mm-hmm. of course the people are going to see these events as real, like the sinking of the Lusitania. And so they're going to think it's, this is real. And so we, of course we got to go in, think about the events of today how they're paraded around in our media and told what we're told what is happening over there, right? By our media so that mm-hmm. we get emotionally invested. And, uh, and so you have, um, there's a lot of, in World War One especially, there was all of the banking institutions. Uh, you had the J.P. Morgan, you had all of the Rothschilds, you had all of the banking institutions too that, that were really at the helm of this and playing all these chess pieces to make sure that we got in the war and uh, make sure that, uh, you know, even things were moved from New York to, uh, to New York from Berlin. There was all kinds of movement. There was all kinds of pieces being played, double agents being sent in to um, undermine the Ottoman Empire, to cause strife in certain areas of uh, in the Ottoman Empire to, to cause all of these to happen. So lots of moving parts were going on at the same time. When people say, was there a conspiracy theorist, it always cracks me up because men have to conspire to make that happen. It's kind of like a house writing the book, Philip Drew, Administrator, yes. where he laid out exactly uh, what uh, Woodrow Wilson would be doing, um, you know, years later, he laid out everything that was going to happen. And people uh, should actually read that book. It's a great playbook 
It's a great playbook for the United States. When I say great, it I mean is, nefarious great, but it was a playbook put out um, by definite, well, they were all instruments of the Rothschilds too and, and in connection with them, but it was this playbook to seize control and oust the Constitution and and You're correct. misdirect and I, the people. I do want to retract what I said. What's that? Um, there are people, when a war begins, there are puppet masters. Mm-hmm. There are people who plan for the outcome, mm-hmm. prepare for it, get it take advantage of the outcome. And um, so they know what they're going to get on the other end of it. Truly, Dave, it's what they're willing to do when some pieces don't look like they're going their way. And then they send in the bigger guns, so Mm -hmm. to speak, and they send in the bigger pieces. And uh, yeah, I think that's more or less what we're talking about is the fact uh, uh that, oh, it's not going to go our way. Well, we'll just up the ante a little bit. Which which is interesting because... uh, To make sure we get the outcome. uh, Let me come up to modern times here for a minute. Okay. Okay. I watched two nights of news on what's happening in North Korea and mm-hmm. Syria. Okay. Oh, and I, this is Fox News. Mm-hmm. All the talking heads were up there. And they were all given different reasons, different motives. They didn't... Who knew? Who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, some said that, well, this is going to happen. Some said that's going to happen. And actually, before they were all done, they said, we cannot let Syria insult us and do what they're doing. We've got to take them out. And another talking head, we can't let China get in the way of what we're trying to do in North mm-hmm. Korea. We've got to take, then another one, we've got to, we can't let North Korea get away with what they're doing in the world and all threatening. We've got to take them out. And he, one even said, we've got to take out Russia and, and stop them. And they're shaking in their boots now that we dropped this bomb mm-hmm. and things. And now we've got to take advantage of it. Those are the John McCain, insane McCain type people. But yeah. they were all there. And everybody was talking more about and it, it, the hype, the hysteria is getting uh, fever pitch. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it, to me, it's scary. But so I'm watching this and trying to figure out what's going on. I listen to Dave Hodges. I listen mm-hmm. to Steve Pachinik. Mm-hmm. I listen to Alex Jones. Sure. I, I listen to, you know, uh, Joel Skousen. Mm-hmm. I listen to all these people and they've all got a different idea of what's happening. Yep. And, yep. and based on... So I have, I can't, I, you know, I haven't, okay. I haven't been to Syria for a while or, well, or Russia or Turkey. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's so, but I'm putting together my detective nozzle right? <laughs> okay. well, and, let's, and trying to piece this thing together. And I, and I have an idea. Go okay. Ahead. Okay. We're going to go into detail on that when we come back, but just, oh, okay. just, just as a piece in the puzzle, let's just look at one piece of the playbook. Just one little piece. The American delegation that went over was Dulles. You know, all these people are. We're all so, you'll, you'll see names pop up in history again and again and again. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So you have Dulles, you have Roth, Rothschild's banking, you have all of these individuals that go as American delegates to the Paris conference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when they started deviating from the Illuminati plan for the Middle East, Jacob Schiff gets nervous. He sends President Wilson this cable, right? That instructed him to defend with regard to the Palestine mandate German reparations and other issues. So you're talking a, 1918. Yes, in the name yes. of Association of League of Free Nations, right? Right. That was the creation of the League of Nations, and it became the centerpiece of Wilson's 14 points. But he, well, Wilson believed in these 14 points, but yeah, those did, didn't yeah. exactly pan out, right? And so that was the basis of post-war peace and prevent future wars and all of these things. And so what I'm saying is, is that he was sort of, I don't know if he was conned, but he was conned in, into believing that this was actually going to happen, those 14 points. Yes. People can be conned. Sometimes leaders can be conned, and even the president of the United States. Um, 
But it's interesting that when they get nervous about things not going their way, uh, it is, you know, it was Jacob Schiff at the time sending a cable, instructing him what to do. And I mean, you could you could understand in that capacity as leader of a country, you're getting you're you're getting this um, influence, not only influence, but strong armed into doing exactly there is going to be most leaders are going to cave to that. And that's why we see all the presidents caving oh, the, to whatever instructions are being handed down to them too. That's why yes. sometimes I try and look, but look the, through the, a lens of, okay, maybe that leader is being fed information or maybe that leader is being <laughs> manipulated. I don't know. It's not a good enough reason to do the things they do. I'm just saying I can understand why they do the things. Right they do, now. Right? I don't know if the audience is completely following this, but you know, the difference between 1918 and oh, now and the yes. treaty of Versailles yes. and all that. You got to understand that Wilson was malleable. Mm-hmm. He wasn't bright. He relied heavily on Colonel House, who was with him at the Treaty of Versailles mm-hmm. on those 14 points and, and made the ruinous Treaty of Versailles. Yeah. I don't Colonel think House that, I was really the president. Yeah. But really I don't was. think Trump is that malleable. Okay. I think you got a different, real difference in personality here. Okay. And, All right. I can so, see the I personality type. Sure. Trump can't mm-hmm. talk well, but he, he's savvy. We'll be right back. More on this when we come back on the Kate Show, Blaze Radio Network. Go to katedallyradio.com. Email me at kate at katedallyradio.com or go to Facebook, The Kate Show. And of course, Kate on the Blaze on Twitter. You're listening to The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Welcome back to The Kate Show. One major point I was trying to get to with the, when the Illuminati felt a little threatened with the Paris conference in 1918. Um, what's, what's inter- what I thought was interesting was, was the intention of the Illuminati was to prepare the preconditions going into the next war, World War II, by making it so that the conditions for the Germans to agree to it were completely intolerable to them, right? Yeah. On purpose. And so uh, knowing that that would lead us into yet another war. Yes, it yes. was... It was- these are the kind of games that, that those in power play because they might get nervous or not getting their way. And so much was at stake in World War II if you're just, or World War I if you're just joining us. It was, it was uh, who was going to control the oil in the Middle East, who was going, the breakup of the Ottoman Empire to control that oil because they're going off of coal into oil. And uh, the Germans had the Berlin to Baghdad route. Uh, the, the British sort of... Uh, embellished this threat of, of Germany coming after them, uh, wanted more money for their Navy, wanted more money for uh, the takeover of the oil. And so uh, they both were sort of vying for this one thing. And of course, this resulted in, in, the, uh, in World War I. And people asked, Do we, did we need to be a part of it? Was, it? was this necessary? A lot of people think it was absolutely necessary. 
and what's funny is they say for world peace that didn't create peace it created the start of what we have now is the uh the militarization the 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 industrial complex the the ongoing battles and wars Napoleon, he was a, mm-hmm. an Illuminati asset, and mm-hmm. his great, 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 great scumbag nephew started the FBI. Yep. <laughs> really? There's a genealogical link? <laughs> nah. It, it, <laughs> on, on the FBI's website, yep. you can look at it at FBI.gov. Mm-hmm. They admit they were an illegitimate organization. Congress never gave them any authority. They just kind of showed up because the Secret Service wouldn't help. Very true. And what was, their, what was their first mission? To infiltrate the media. Interesting. 1948. Hmm. All right. Hey, thanks, caller. Really, really love the phone call. Thank you. Appreciate that. Oh, the that. CIA. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so there. Uh, what I'm saying is, is there were a lot of, uh, in order to maintain control, um, they'll do just about anything. And these players are still playing this game uh, uh-huh. because this is just, this is a small group. That's why you see the same names crop up in history. And, you know, the caller talked about Bush. The Bush family made money off selling uh, munitions to Germany. I mean, here we have people over here in World War II, too. We have people over here thinking that, that Americans are always for America. It's like not true. They're selling munitions. How do you think they made a fortune? They made a fortune by selling... War War is... It's, it's, it's one. Munitions to Germany. If you're a anyway. businessman, war is wonderful. Yes. Mm, yeah, you're a you contractor, know, government contractor. Wow. Look at the, the amount of money that was made in Vietnam by mm-hmm. the heli- who, Bell, Bell helicopter. Yes. You know, in the billions. And I billions. agree. I agree. <laughs> yes. In fact, you know, let, for just a moment, indulge me for just a moment. I'm going to go off track for just a second. We were talking about um, the 1.5 million, million people that were massacred in Armenia, Christians. And it was mm-hmm. definitely about being a Christian. Um, and uh, boy, they were heinous. Uh, uh, I can't even go into detail. It was, that, it was that bad. It was so horrific, making them walk in the desert to their death. I mean, it was just awful. And what's interesting about these war scenarios is that we don't go in when there's an actual genocide happening in most cases, except for, uh, you know, obviously we have World War II. So setting that aside um, with the Holocaust and with the Nazis, in the Armenian genocide, you didn't, they weren't playing the humanitarian card to go into that war, were they? In fact, it wasn't talked about. It wasn't even mentioned. People didn't even know this was happening. The only reason that we know it was happening is because we had a, a gentleman with a book that came out. But other than that, and that was kind of a diary of the time, other than that, that's what the movie The Promise is based on. But apart from that, we don't, we, we wouldn't have had anything. Isn't it interesting that when something's really going on in that case, they didn't play the humanitarian card, but now we play it in Egypt, we play it for Libya, we play it for this, we play it for Iraq, we play it for all of these other countries that we have a vested interest in taking over. Not security interest, just interest. Humanitarian reasons. Yep. Well, they use humanitarian reasons now, uh, but they didn't then when they should have. That's just the mo- that's the never. moral card they and play. And when they start saying that, <laughs> it's, immediately yeah. I, my because morals don't matter to them. So it's the, it's just the moral card they play. They know that this will get to us. Yeah, right. My alarm goes up, up, up. Oh, lie, lie, lie. Yep. Because you know, after all this experience, and if you, anybody has studied history knows, it's, that's not the reason. Okay, so he's president. Accepted Assad. fact. Assad. Yeah, Assad's president. Mm-hmm. Accepted fact. Assad is winning the war. Mm-hmm. It's almost over. Yeah. 
they just had such a huge victory mm-hmm. uh, three or four weeks ago. Just huge victory. Huge victory. They mm-hmm. retook Aleppo. From the terrorists, by the way. From the terrorists, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um, they've knocked out almost all of our command control centers. Uh, I won't say our. I would say the the, ice the, us? the rebels. <laughs> ISIS. Sorry. ISIS is Did I say that out loud? Ice mm-hmm. us? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, they and the Russians are pushing pushing mm-hmm. them out. It's almost over. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, there's a gas, alleged gas attack mm-hmm. without any evidence and there's still no evidence. And they even say it. That Assad we have no evidence. It, no evidence at all. The blame is put on Bashar Assad, who for some crazy reason, and so they ask him, I've seen it on the news, why Why would they do this? Uh, the, the announcer on the news, why, mm-hmm. why would they do this? And usually the answer from the warmongers and people is, well, he's crazy. Who knows what a madman will do? <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that, and I've actually seen a congressman come out and say it's not true. A CIA guy come out and say we're making the whole thing up. We've had some UN uh-huh. officials that said no, that gas that that did not happen because of the Syrian government. People are coming out of the but, woodwork, but it's it's well, mainstream is a, taking hold. Yeah. The moment the talking head says that, yeah, exactly. Everything that he says afterwards is gone. Yep, it's it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's certain things, there's certain key words like that, killing his own people. Killings, when they yep. start bringing that up, I'm saying, you're a propaganda minister. And I, I, I turn TV off or I just sit there and laugh as they talk. Because I know where they're going. I know what they're headed. I know they're part of the deep state. I know part of the, part of the machine. And I know what their agenda is. Mm-hmm. It's over. So you've got to have an honest d- discussion of what's going on. Now, President Trump says that Assad did it. And I was really affected by those crying, terrible babies. Mm-hmm. And my granddaughter cried, and that made me want to hit them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I attacked them. Now, I know President Trump is lying. He is. He's got to be smarter than me. <clears throat> right? <laughs> okay. He's got to be smarter than both of us, right? Everybody He's gotta knows be. <laughs> that. So what's he doing? Mm-hmm. Is, is he, he's not misled, so he's got to have a plan. Okay. And I believe that he knows what he's doing. At least so far, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. We'll be right back. More thoughts from Dave, the investigator, on Trump when we come back. This is The Kate Show. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. The Kate Show with Kate Daly. 
Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. Back here with you on The Kate Show. So here's Dave's words on Trump, uh, how he feels about Trump, President Trump. I believe he's playing 3D chess here. How so? Okay. If you ever play 3D chess, it'll blow your mind. It's crazy. I haven't. Can't hardly walk afterwards. You you move a piece on one board and it shows up on another board. <laughs> Sounds juicy. Go ahead. And back and forth. And Go you ahead. have to be three, thinking three-dimensionally or maybe even four-dimensionally. This is really weird. Okay. So right now, I rem- I'm old enough to remember the Nixon years. And I remember how they took him down. <laughs> and he did everything he could to stay supported. He visited China. He opened them up. And he... You know, every, everything he could think of, but it didn't matter because article after article, day after day, there was a little nib here on Nixon, a little tack there. It's the same kind of a thing that they're doing to Trump. You know, pretty soon it affects you. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um, they'll, they'll say things about you like you, when President Trump visits Florida, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't, according to the newspaper, he escapes to Florida. Right? Right. Uh, it, it, it does there's a articles uh, opinion pieces can the white house ever find heart you know mm-hmm. stuff like that and people just read right through it but it clicks little by little it's a, a death of a right. thousand stabs mm-hmm. right cuts and so it's happening it's happening he knows that they're after him and he knows that they've thrown the gauntlet down in front of him boom Assad did this now what are you going to do and so he's going to play it Okay. He's going to play it this way. I'm going to go, and I'm going to fire a bunch of missiles at this air base mm-hmm. where it allegedly came from. Um, I'm going to let the Russians know ahead of time, but actually I believe he let them know quite a bit ahead of time. <coughs> mm-hmm. Okay? He's going to do this when President Xi is visiting, and she's in on this too. Okay. President Xi, right? Mm-hmm. And so he fires these missiles, 23 of which hit out of 60. We don't know what happened to the rest, but I think the Russians... <coughs> We have a non-engagement uh, mm-hmm. treaty with Russia. You don't shoot down our aircraft. We don't shoot down your aircraft. We let each other know where they're going. But it doesn't apply to electronic warfare. Mm-hmm. I think of a whole bunch of those missiles just didn't find their target. Interesting. Now, they weren't allowed to fire S-300s or 400s at them and bring them down. But they could fire some electronic stuff at them. At any rate, only 23 hit. Now, if you look at the Russian drone footage that was hovering mm-hmm. over at the time and it blows up the airfield you can see that we never hit the airstrip in fact most of those m- missiles hit outside right. of the airbase in the sand because syrian government was flying out of there right after so. immediately okay. after mm-hmm. it did no damage okay. at all our propaganda machine mcmasters and everybody said we destroyed 20 percent of the syrian air force well that's baloney okay all right 20 <laughs> you know, something airplanes uh-uh. listening. No, mm-hmm. no way it happened okay but what it did with our propaganda mill, it allowed the people to get off of his connection, one, to get off of his connections with Russia, mm-hmm. that he's a Putin puppet, okay. right? Because now deterioration between Russia and America has never been worse and we're in bad shape and all that. <laughs> Number two, it allowed him to take some action against Syria mm-hmm. to get all the neocons floating to the surface, all the people that praise him. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. They're all coming to the surface, you know, mm-hmm. and who they are. Okay. It identifies those warmongering neocons. Okay. <coughs> they let it simmer for a little bit, and then he sends uh, Tillerson over there to talk to him. Oh, and the newspapers are saying, what will happen? Will Putin even talk to him? 
He's for their, their odds and because Tillerson sounds convinced that yeah. Assad is doing this. Yeah, yes. yeah, he sounds yes. convinced. He's the one that's come out and said, "No, I know he's doing this." Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, and we're expecting Russia to back mm-hmm. off now. They're saying what? Of course they know. They say, "Show us the proof." Mm-hmm. No proof. And Assad says, "Hundreds percent made up." You know, they're mm-hmm. starting to come out with the real truth. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So what you got? Yeah, Tillerson, he's been over there, what, a dozen years ago, mm-hmm. making multi-billion dollar deals with Russian mm-hmm. oligarchs and everything. They know these people. And Putin has to rely on a lot of these oligarchs to keep the economy going. By the way. Because they're heavily invested in the central banks. By the way, Tillerson, who is the head of Exxon, Exxon was one of the kind of like, uh, they called that the Seven Sisters, but one of the, the gifts to Saudi Arabia in becoming their their country in that time, the, the alliances with Saudi Arabia, World War One. Mm-hmm. Isn't that funny? And and so that There's, actually turned go. into Exxon, which is Tillerson ran. Anyway, goes lot, right, lots of people, interchangeable right players, by the way. So they're going up there and they're saying, mm-hmm. all right, let's, I'll tell you what, we're going to meet, let's shake hands, but let's not smile at each other. And do we, mm-hmm. we get in the back room, you know, how's it going, by the way, with Exxon? I was like, oh, I don't know. What are you guys doing with it? You know, <laughs> it's, in other really? words, Kate, this is all theater. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. This whole Russian thing. How does Iran play into this? Because Obama basically wanted to buy Iran to basically convince them to pull away from Russia so that we could use them as an ally against Russia and China. Right? No, Iran is tight with Russia. I know, but they, we they, were trying. He was trying. Oh, yeah, I know. So, they, they I mean, you trying. send over plain loads of cash. I mean, you're trying. <laughs> Let's not uh-huh. underestimate the word try. <laughs> I'd <laughs> like a plain load of cash, if, please. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that's some sort mm-hmm. of a payment for, who mm-hmm, knows, possibly. some business deal or drugs. Possibly, drugs but or whatever. that's what it, I felt like. I felt like he was just trying to get them yeah. away from China, Russia to be an ally. But go ahead. I mean, the, yeah. more, the more we can have there, if we take over Syria and we convince Iran to walk away, then we've got that whole region. Yeah. So. So what they're doing is they're keeping the neocons mm-hmm. and the deep state off. Trump is keeping them off his back mm-hmm. while he concentrates on the main thing that he's after, North Korea. Okay. And North Korea, he wants to be able to... Uh, uh, there's two scenarios, I believe. One, because if you have a war with North Korea, then all bets are off and you can they're going to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. The neocons, the deep state, will leave you alone. You're going to be at war... Maybe you can go out and, who knows, arrest traitors or whatever it is. Number two, North Korea produces a lot of stuff. Now, isn't it interesting that when President Xi was at Mar-a-Lago visiting with Trump, mm-hmm. okay, on, on April 6th and 7th, that's when Trump sent the missiles over, right? And he's supposedly an ally of North Korea. Yeah. Okay. And at the same time, President Xi gets on the phone and he says, listen, I know that last month we said that we were not going to accept North Korean coal anymore. Mm-hmm. Make it effective. Mm-hmm. So that very day, on April 7th, China turned around a dozen North Korean freighters filled with coal worth millions and hundreds of millions of dollars, turned them around and sent them back to North Korea. And deployed troops. Yes, and he put his 150,000 troops on the border. Okay. But he says, we're not buying your coal anymore. Mm. We're going to buy our coal from... West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Hmm. Put American coal miners back together. Now, this is art of the deal par excellence. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Trump Interesting and theory. she got together and he says, okay, we'll buy some of those treasuries mm-hmm. back from you. You can buy our coal back. How's this sound? They're working together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the only person that's not part of the game is um, President Ung. Okay. Okay. I won't say president. I'll say dictator. That, that, yeah. well, you can't. He is a dictator. And it is, and it is a regime, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is kind of a whole. North in, Korea, yeah. 
enigma over there because we don't know which ones are good and which ones are bad part of the OGD, which is the actually ruling junta, mm -hmm. junta that runs North Korea mm -hmm. uh, and puts up President Ng. We don't know what their real motive or thing is. But I know that China has just told today, was it today? Told North Korea, if you set off a bomb and any of that radioactivity drifts over into China, Mm -hmm. or in any way endangers Northeast China, okay, we will respond with full military force. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking at the news right now, and, and then President Ung says, well, we're going to set it off, but in our own day and time. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. But China is also threatening to cut off North Korean oil. Mm -hmm. What happened when we cut off Japanese oil? Yes. In 1939. Yes. 38, 39, yes. right? Yeah. At 40. At 40 I think we yeah. all know that one. Yeah. Japan, mm -hmm. they would either die as a nation with her on the vine mm -hmm. or they'd have to seize those oil fields. Right. Which were in Singapore, which would cause... But if Trump isn't in the... If Trump is not a part of the deep state, if he's... If they see him as a threat, isn't... Aren't we pretty much cutting off the countries at the knees that they wanted to 16 years ago, that they listed 16 years ago? I mean, we're systematically going after all these countries, Libya, Egypt. I mean, all the ones that were named 16 years ago that came out, we're systematically going after them to play ball with us. North Korea, um, mm -hmm. uh, Iran, Syria. I mean... Yeah, but he's... He's... he's we used, I won't say we, the West used, okay, ISIS mm -hmm. and, and Springs in order to knock out these countries. Right, because we could have wiped them out <laughs> right. when they were 10, 20,000 I think, I think people Trump, we supplied. Yes. I think Trump really wants to knock out ISIS. You know why? Why? Because they're affecting American trade. They're affecting business. You can't do business, mm -hmm. especially in that oil world, with a nefarious group like this that's being supported by the deep state. And so he's knocking out their economic base. Interesting. And, Interesting. Uh, that's, and it all comes back to economics. Yeah, it all comes back to economics. Without morality. But economics. Plain. Just from I'm looking simple. at it, because I always try to look beneath the surface, any mm -hmm. good detective does, and mm -hmm. find out what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's Interesting what I, theory, Dave. I think it's going on. Interesting theory. Let that just sort of... <laughs> Simmer. <laughs> Simmer. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll be right back. More on this when we come back. This is The Kate Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. The Jeff Fisher Show. And then, uh, you know, it's anniversary week. Married to this one for 15 years. And of course, the day that is our anniversary, I was supposed to go out to dinner. We did that stupid bit on the Pat and Stu show. It was, you know, two hours of how many peeps you could eat. So I hit 71 peeps, and uh, that put a stop to the dinner on the anniversary night. I wasn't sick, but I wasn't up for much of anything. The Jeff Fisher Show, Saturday mornings, 9 to noon Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Show with Kate Daly. All right, back here with you, last segment of the show. And let's just kind of wrap things up a little bit. Um, so the Illuminati realizes, and this is a, a great thanks to D'Angelo McKee on this. The Illuminati realizes that America would not join really any scheme for world government. You know, when they want to play chess, they got to have people behind them, right? They have to have a change in public opinion. 
And there were the roundtable members, Curtis Balfour Milner, uh, who formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs, RIM, or RIA, sorry, RIA, for the purpose of coordinating British and American efforts. We've been coordinating British and American efforts for a really long time. Let me just say that. Uh, And so, of course, Arnold Toynbee uh, later became the director of this, and they formed an American branch known as the Council on Foreign Relations, which we all know because even Hillary called it the mothership. She gets her directions from the mothership. They're really the ones in the background that are coordinating a lot of our foreign policy and a lot of our policy here in the nation as well. Uh, It's like the think tank, right? And all of our diplomats like Henry Kissinger, all of these people are affiliated part of the um, CFR. So they formed the American branch, known as the CFR. It was founded by Colonel House, who we talked about in the very first part of the show, with Rockefeller family funding, and then including members like J.P. Morgan, Warburg, and Schiff, right? All names that crop up, or pop up, I should say, World War I, World War II, okay? In the book Tragedy and Hope, uh, Quigley uh, stated that the CFR is an American branch of a society which originated in England, which believes the national boundaries should be obliterated and a one world rule established. Where does that sound familiar? Oh, that's right. Globalization. <laughs> oh, okay. Still playing that game. Of course we are, because that's the end goal. I think to understand is that that would be the end goal. So Rear Admiral Chester Ward, for 16 years, a member of the CFR, warned of the organization's ultimate intentions. Uh, This is important to know. This was a powerful clique in this elitist group, and they have one objective in common. They want to bring about the surrender of sovereignty of the national independence of the United States. A second clique of the international members in the CFR compromises Wall Street international bankers and their key agents. So really what they want is a world banking monopoly from whatever power ends up in control of the global government. You have fall of the empire, right? Fall of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, a further uh, purpose of World War I was to cause the destruction of the Ottoman Empire in order to free the land of Palestine from its grasp, leading to the creation of the state of Israel. And so after Prime Minister of England, Lord Asquith, uh, was deposed, murdered in 1916 because he had opposed the Zionist interests, uh, David Lloyd George, whose career was made as a lawyer for the World Zionist Organization, as well as Winston Churchill and Balfour of the Roundtable, were placed into power. And so present at that first official meeting in the political committee were Rothschilds, James D. Rothschild, the son of Edmund D. Rothschilds of Paris, and then, of course, former owner of Rothschilds uh, colonies, in Palestine, Sir Mark Sykes. So there were future mandates uh, there, these these future mandates of Palestine, Armenia, and Arabia still forming parts of the Ottoman Empire were discussed in detail. And this is where we talked about the fact that everyone sits around a table and decides which part of the world they want and which part is going where. Um, the Illuminati had been, had been wanting to undermine the Ottoman Empire from within. That was the best way they thought to do that. And so Uh, Of course, you had the Young Turks. They led a revolutionary movement against the crumbling regime of the Ottoman Empire. But it also also went into the massacre of the Armenians. Um, So there were a lot of varied reasons. Uh, History uh, really can view this whole campaign um, and and understand that there were a lot of definite reasons uh, for setting forth into motion the Ottoman Empire disbanding, uh, getting it from within to disband, and then, of course, taking over the parts of that and taking over the oil supply. Um, Who had what? 
and it really was a game of chess. Really what marked the beginning of the end of World War I was the victory of the Allied forces against the Ottoman Turks. Um, and then, of course, the Central Powers one by one surrender, and then they sign an armistice November 11, 1918. They secretly negotiated the Sykes uh, Agreement to divide up the Middle East according to terms drawn by the Rothschilds parties. They really were in control of this. Arbitrary divisions were created, which, which largely exist to the present, including the creation of Syria. Lebanon is French uh, protectorates, right? And mandate for Palestine was drafted by Felix Frankfurter, uh, who afterwards became chief advisor in the White House to President Roosevelt and also United States Supreme Court Justice. And then he's the one that helped found the ACLU. Frankfurter is reported to have received a copy of Eva Frank's portrait from his mother, a descendant from the Prague, uh, Prague Frankist family. And then according to Frankfurter, he said the real rulers in Washington are invisible and exercise their power from behind the scenes. Boom. <laughs> there's so many, you know, there's so many accounts of this. Don't you find it funny that in an investigation, as I mentioned uh, last week, that if you look into the past and you, and you add things up and you, 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 you sort of have to fill in pieces and, and make sure that the story makes sense, if you do that, you're a good investigator. If you do it with anything political in the political sphere, you're a conspiracy theorist. It's the same notion. You have to do the same kinds of things to, to figure out what's going on. You go into the past and, and you figure out who the players are and you figure out, uh, uh, you know, what led up to the event. And it's really, it's not very hard to do. In fact, people are very out with the comments made. Uh, they're very, um, I would say, pretty out there and honest with saying things, but we just don't want to think they said that, I guess, in history. And so we oftentimes leave these things out. So here you go. Through the assistance of Jack Philby, Alan Dulles, you know, Dulles, Dulles Airport, Dulles, Dulles Nixon. Anyway, uh, Alan Dulles, former president of the CFR, no less, uh, who would later head the CIA. We know this. Uh, Bush worked for him. Uh, then working for the firm of Sullivan and Cromwell, helped the Rockefeller oil companies gain Saudi Arabia, which would be the world's single greatest oil resource, accounting for nearly half of the total oil production. In 1933, the Saudis created oil concessions to California Arabian Standard Oil Company, CASOC, affiliate of Standard Oil of California, SoCal, today's Chevron, headed by Rockefeller Jr. of the Roundtable and a founding member of the CFR. Uh, it's interesting, our relationship with Saudi Arabia, when you really, looked at, when you really look at it, um, the protection of Saudi Arabia. Why? They have more human rights violations than anyone. Why do we protect them so hard? Hmm. In 1945, Roosevelt met with Saud, um, aboard the USS Quincy in Egypt to forge an important U.S.-Saudi economic alliance. Roosevelt acted on the advice of Harold Ikes, the Petroleum Coordinator for National Defense and the State Department, which in December of 1942 had noted, it is our strong belief uh, in the development of Saudi Arabia, Saudi, Ara Saudi Arabian petroleum resources should be viewed in the light of a broad national interest. A U.S. Air Force base was built at Dharan in 1946 in Saudi Arabia. Retained the major responsibility of maintaining Western security interests for another decade. And in return, the Saudis declared war on the Axis powers, doing so within a month of the meeting with Roosevelt. 
and were allowed to be included in the founding conference of the UN. Wow. There's always just so much more going on than we realize. And that's why I wanted to go over World War I, because it, 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 World War I leading into the other wars, of course, and the ongoing wars we've had for the last 40, 50 years, because there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. And I think uh, if Americans don't understand the war playbook, what's really to gain and what's really... Here's the truth, and it's so simple to understand, I think. If you look at the last 25 years, we did to Yugoslavia what we're doing to Syria right now. The playbook has not changed. That's what's so insane. The Clinton administration's actions back in the 90s propagandized with the same doublethink that we're dealing with today. The Brookings Institute said the decision to intervene, how the war in Bosnia ended from 1998. Um, and Daldare begins with this statement. While many have written eloquently and passionately to explain Washington and the West's failure to stop the ethnic cleansing, the concentration camps, the massacres of hundreds of thousands of civilians, few have explained why in the summer of 1995 the United States finally did, it, did take on a leadership role to end the war in Bosnia. Did we allude to the fact that we armed the rebels in the Atlantic Brigade? Do we, did we talk about the fact that we armed rebels and they destabilized the country before uh, people went in for their pieces of it? Do we again say that we have to have leadership? What does leadership mean if leadership means destabilizing a country and deposing their leader? That's not leadership. Do you remember when 60 Minutes, when I played the clip last week of Madeleine Albright being interviewed, and they asked, she asked, Leslie asked, of course, uh, what about the 500,000 children that were killed? And she said, well, Madeleine Albright said, well, it was a hard choice. The RAND Corporation right now really are excited about carving up Syria. In fact, they're pretty clinical about it, about partitioning a sovereign state. RAND Corporation is the big brother of all the think tanks. What is the RAND Corporation plan for Syria? Is it anything like the plan we had for the Yugoslav nation, turning it into a third world region? Incapable of, of charting its own independent course, a shattered economy, um, an impoverished but illiterate skilled population, to work at subsistent wages, dismantled petroleum. We can't just ignore all of this and then just say, well, our country will make the right choice. We're America. We're America. It doesn't work anymore. Let's understand the playbook, the war playbook. Let's understand how to reverse this, how to change it, how to stop it, and how to be better. We have got to be better than this. We can't allow this to go on anymore. We are inching ever so closely to that one world, new world government that they, the they crowd, have been itching to have for a very long time. And we just can't stand by and, and get scooped up into the propaganda anymore. This is The Kate Show. I'll see you next week on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Kate Show with Kate Daly. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand.